Hey guys. Hey. How are you doing? This is the Shooter Biscuit Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Hinton, and with me is Dee uh, Dee Forward with very bad conne- connection issues. Right I now. have appalling connection. I'm going to apologize to everyone now for my audio. I have just been told by Shane that it's my fault for living in countryside. That's that's true. That is also true. But we but we do live in Shropshire. A lot of us is in the countryside, so <laughs> <laughs> that is also true. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Today we've got an amazing, I've actually been looking forward to this ever since Al um, said to us, is anybody about to come and do this podcast because I'm busy? Um, I was like, I'll do it straight away. I was like, put my hand straight up. I was like, yep, I've got that. I'm, I'm completely down with that because we are talking to Smash Life. We've got Andy and Matt Smith um, here with us today. How are you guys? Brilliant. Thank you. Good. Yeah, really good. Thank you. Good, good. And uh, Matt's just been telling us about his subway uh, just before we hit record that he's just had, so... I'm a little bit jealous because I've got... Um, this is something I want to ask about your subway. Yeah, because you you've got a tuna subway. Now, are you the kind of person, do you go for cucumber or sweet corn or have you got both on there? What are you, red onions? I'll be honest with you. This is what I say to the attendant behind the subway desk. Put everything on it apart from sweet corn and cucumber. So you have just guessed <laughs> oh, the exact two no. things that I always say, leave it out. Because what they actually do for people listening to this podcast is the cucumber actually moistens the bread too much for me. And I like the bread to be dry. So thank you. Oh, yes, you do have a point there. Yes. This like, is a mad experience. Just Welcome to Smash Life Food Hour. <laughs> Can I, can I just chip in on there and say I'm the one half of Smash Life that have got children, so I haven't even had my tea yet, so thanks for having <laughs> me. I, 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 yeah, I'm with you on that one. I haven't eaten today yet. Yeah. <laughs> so for the people who are listening who don't know what Smash Life is, do you want to give us a, a quick a, like expl- explanation of what you are and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... Smash Life is uh, primarily myself and Matt. Uh, we're brothers. Uh, Matt's the older brother, so uh, I always love to point out I'm the younger brother. And um, our journey is growing up in care um, in Shrewsbury. And uh, we've got a joint 35 years working with children and young people in various settings. And um, in 2018, I think it was November, we just kind of came to the conclusion that we're ready to form something powerful, something educating, inspiring and engaging for children, for professionals, for adults, and um, to really take control of our own destiny. And that's what we've done. So Smash Life uh, provides mentoring. So we're advocates for children. We give advice and guidance for, Mm. for children in care and be that role model we needed growing up in care. We uh, do group work, so uh, the typical youth work, really, with uh, children in schools, children in care, children anywhere, really. Uh, We provide um, talks. So today, for instance, we've delivered training for Luton Council for all their uh, staff and professional social workers, frontline staff, reminding them why, and obviously giving good tips around practice and how we felt growing up in care. And we provide consultancy as well, so helping services kind of shape themselves to be that service that inspires young people and the service young people need not just tip boxes yeah yeah and like you like you just mentioned then that um you were i'm guessing you were both brought up in care so you're not just people who are passionate about this you're people who have been there and you see maybe what's missing and how you can put your bit into improve that is do you really feel like you you've accomplished that or have you got a long way to go because i'm very new to smash i was reading up on you guys today and you got absolutely fantastic 
I think for me, um, when you're in the system, you, uh, in society as we know it, young people are usually in a powerless group in society. And uh, being in the care system away from uh, your family, uh, which is what happened to us at the ages of four and five, respectively, we were placed into the care of the local authority. And what happens then for most young people is the authority, i.e. Shropshire Council, became our corporate parents. So ineffectively, that meant that they were basically our mum and dad, uh, but they were employing people to look after us. And that is where the power dynamic is very great. But what we're trying to see is readdress that so that young people feel they have a voice within the care system. They feel like they can ask for things when they need it and they feel like they are listened to. Because Andy and I went on to be abused for eight years between 1990 and 1998, uh, emotionally and physically. And a lot of people afterwards, we only talked about this on social media about 2017-18. And we're in our late 30s now. And a lot of people were like, well, why why didn't you say anything? What what was going on? Because we didn't have that voice as a child. And some of the things that professionals were doing at the time, they were just doing a role that they felt uh, they were ticking boxes as opposed to really capturing our journey, our voices, our feelings about the placement that we were in. So Andy and I are very much centred in a humanistic, child-centred approach in what we're trying to do and advocate for. And we don't care if we offend people at the top with what we think and say because we believe that um, the power dynamic needs to change because the service shouldn't be given downwards to young people. It should be directed upwards and they should be informing yeah. how services are shaped rather than the other way around. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've, <laughs> 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 and, and the podcast, no, no. Um, you know, you're right. I mean, the thing is, when you're, I suppose, when you're in a sort of you know, archetypal, normal, you know, uh, family. Or normal family, um, there are other people involved. You know, you have your extended family, you have cousins, grandma, grandparents, stuff, all these sort of uh, more people that you can actually turn to when there is a problem. And you could turn around and say, like, you know, this, this is happening or, or don't like this or, you know, things like that. And there's so many different places you can go with this with this stuff. And they have the power to enforce that, you know, or at least deal with it, you know. But, but I can imagine somebody in the care system where, like you said, you've got the, the entire council kind of thing that, that's that's your parents and, and and you're just getting somebody paid, you know, a, a wage, I guess, just to come and look after you. Who are you supposed to turn to? Because. This, well, this is, this is where it, it, it smashed life because we've got, what happens in our society and I'm pretty sure everybody agrees is people only start really taking you seriously. If you've got letters after your name or, um, yeah. you, you know, but for us, we've sort of said, yeah, we've got our degrees. We've, we've got the experience now. And it's nice that certain people have decided, well, actually these lads, They've been around a bit of a while. They're not a flash in the pan. They've gone to university despite their abuse. They've made something of themselves. And it gives us a bit of weight in that field. Mm. And it it, it allows us to be the voice for the children alongside them. And also when we're writing reports and stuff to the professionals, we can actually um, advocate on their behalf, as Andy said, because sometimes young people don't know how to vocalise what they're going through, what their struggles are. And they might need that person to go, all right, tell me, tell me how you're feeling. And they, it may come out in the wrong way in the behaviours that Andy and I see in school. And uh, we'll go into meetings and I'll be like, they've kicked off today. And we're like, okay, but what's going on beyond the school gates? You know, yeah. and then it's like you, you're having to sometimes 
tell teachers, remind them, one, that they're the adult in the situation, and that, two, um, they've, this young person going and getting 11 GCSEs is probably the last thing on their mind when they've got all this stuff going on at yeah. home. So it's reminding teachers as well and people in education professions that, you know, people have lives beyond the school gates. And again, your agenda isn't the priority sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're definitely right. And going back to you saying about um, how it's a bit more like they're ticking boxes rather than giving the children a voice. I think there's a lot of people now who also work in care. And I think a lot of them feel like they can't speak up on what they feel change that need to happen. I think they are happily going to work alongside you, working alongside you to make sure that those children are, are heard. Because I feel like some carers feel like their jobs will be threatened if they're going to stand up and say what they think is right or wrong. Or I'm pretty sure some out there who are in the wrong, but you know, sorry, I'm going to say something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. And we deliver training and, and being totally honest, because we're quite visible on our social media platforms, mm. delivering a lot of positivity. We're not there, you know, effing and jeffing and, you yeah. know, uh, contentious stuff we're there to promote and we're there to share our vulnerability and we're there to educate people some of the yeah. people that are really close to the stuff that's going on and in our training we do get messages after saying from professionals going if my manager wasn't there or if this senior leader wasn't there, I would have probably opened up do you deliver something independently which we do we do deliver training but that I mean for us to us to a, a you know, we could be classed as rebels, really, because we have worked in, in local authorities and we haven't been happy with the level of management or the yeah. agenda. And that's mm. why we created Smash Life. And it's funny, really, because you, you constantly feel sometimes that the people at the top, you're trying to impress them or you need to. And you get to a certain age where you're like, actually, it's not about you. I'm actually more interested if the young person feels that I actually gives give a crap about their life or mm. care about them yeah. rather than actually you know someone at the top actually thinking mm, yes that's tick a box so for us yeah we advocate people you know raising their voice for the child because remember we're working with children that their, their brains aren't developed they're acting on emotions they're going in and maybe off at school like we used to because awful things are happening at home they've had their mum and dad taken away mm. from them so they need advocates like us that are going to say, hang on a minute. And so we encourage that as long as you uh, promote it in a healthy way, as long as you're not aggressive in the way you put things across. Yeah, I do. I do agree with what you're saying. It, you know, we need to get their messages across. Yeah. And I think there's two points to be said here, right? Just because we're from Shrewsbury doesn't mean there isn't social problems in Shrewsbury. And Andy and I, we grew up in Holscott and then we were moved to an area in Shrewsbury near Copthorne, uh, Gaines Park, where the abuse took place. And we talk about it in our presentation about perceptions. Oh, you lived in a nice house. It was in a nice area. The people had a good job. You had two cars on the drive. You went on holiday every year. That doesn't mean that it was a home full of love. I visited many uh, homes during my career, if you want to put it like that, and some of the best houses and parenting that I've witnessed haven't hardly got anything. They're just there for their children. So we're, we're reminding local authorities and saying messages like this, what would you expect for your own child? Reminding those professionals that your job is someone's life, you know, because mm. for them, it's not just clocking in and clocking out. And it's for our job. I feel our responsibility to remind them of this fact. Yeah. 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 It goes back to what Andy was saying about educating people. 
<coughs> yeah. Doesn't yeah. really Another thing I want to say, where has the name Smash Life come from? Ah, so interesting. And do you know what? It winds me up this name sometimes because <laughs> <laughs> so for, for us, you know, we both sat in a room and we were both saying, right, what are we going to be called? What are we going to be called? That's going to be really impactful. And Smash Life is one of them ones where you're like with kids and going, come on, you can smash this. You can do it. Now, mm-hmm. We've had emails from professionals calling us smashed lives. I've been into a store <laughs> and it was, and I had a lanyard saying Andy from Splash Life. And I was like, listen, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't deliver swimming coaching here. Um, Take your speedos off, Andy. And, and I've had to remind some professionals and say, listen, if you're calling us smashed lives, we're not going into children's lives and smashing them up. We're, we're helping people. <laughs> You know, it's, uh, it's it's very much like, um, you know, smash life is that positive connotation where it's like, come on, you can get through this. We can smash this together. Mm. I think from a marketing point of view, for young people, I've worked in various projects and the names you think some people come up with are just so non-inspiring or very corporate entity. Mm. And it was something Andy came up with the name Smash Life and I came up with the slogan, Overcoming Life's Hurdles Together. I don't want young people to feel like I did on my own, without my parents, without any support. I'm in a system that I can't control or have any say over. I want to be that guiding light, the signposter sometimes, the empowerer, someone to say, look, I don't know, and sometimes I won't have all the answers and I can't make things better overnight, but I can direct you in certain ways where you can make better choices for yourself moving forward so you can have a better life and you can increase your life chances and go on and achieve because within our story, it covers the abuse, but it also covers the other side of it. And what we don't teach in our society is about what we learn from failure. Andy and I have failed in so many areas of our life, and we cover this in our presentation, but we've we've learned from that so much about ourselves and also from those failures. And you take it on and you become what's called, what schools love to hear now, more resilient. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not necessarily just people um, with regards to kids in care and, and that kind of stuff. I mean, I'm literally going through this sort of change now, right now. Um, my son is... Um, He's challenging. <laughs> Let's just say he's a, he's a challenging, <laughs> challenging kid. He's willful, willful and passionate is what, what I'll say. Um, and you know, my sort of, I've got an older daughter and she's she's brilliant. You know, I have no problems with her whatsoever. But him, we have to go about things differently. So instead of you know, I've been frustrated. You know, I'm not going to lie. I've, I've, I've sat there with my head in my hands. I've been like, oh, this this kid, <laughs> like you know, and, <laughs> and and you know, we've had screaming fits. We've had you know, literally the whole spectrum. You know. Um, but then um, you sort of sit there and you think, hold on a minute, there's something, the, the, the trying to sort of get these two things to combine, you know, the, the parent into the kid kind of thing, it, it's just not it's not compatible. And no matter how much you try and force it together, it's just not going to work. So I've, it's got to come from me because I'm the adult, you know, and I'm the, I'm the parent. So I've gone and gone to that um, Solihull um, approach. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm doing that and that kind of stuff. And that's teaching me loads and like, you know, just changing your perspective about the way to look at things. Do you know what, Shane? Do you know what? You've touched on something really good there and I'm glad you've raised it. I think it's about showing young people and especially your, your, their father, that 
Yeah, even I'm still learning by doing these courses. I'm doing these courses because I want to improve things at home and I want to be a better parent. I mean, that's fantastic for a young person to see. And how many young people see adults in positions of power or parenting turn around and say, I got it wrong. I'm really sorry. And that is a life lesson. If we're expecting young people to apologize for the mistakes that they made and they do make mistakes and don't worry, we we talk about responsibility to them. But (laughs) even with parents, I've worked with certain parents in the early help um, job that I had who were like, well, I'm not doing that. Why should I? I've tried everything. And I'm like, because you're the adult in the situation. And if they don't see that you're willing to bend or move or be malleable, then they're never going to learn anything. And they're never going to, they will copy whatever they see from the adults around them growing up. Yeah. They're the product of their own upbringing, aren't they? You know, and and this is the thing. And and I think that's what's missed, especially when, when you get um, kids at school, I was a naughty kid at school. Yeah. And, and there was reasons behind that, you know, I was, pain in the backside <laughs> so you ask anybody <laughs> you know um uh, but they don't seem to ask why which is exactly the question that you guys are asking you know it's straight away it's the nail on the head it's just like why is that happening though right there was, a, there was naughty. you've just brought up something that andy will say andy bring up that example recently about that teacher that it really disgusted me this did and this is a current example of perceptions about the young lad that you had to remind the, the teacher yeah, so it's quite funny, this, because the situation's not funny. It's just we keep going back sometimes because we are obviously advocates for the child. So the child might be swearing to us, going, I hate this person, I hate that person in this situation. Mm-hmm. And what we say is actually we can we talk to them about how you can maturely put your points across and we put their points across. Um, I was supporting a child um, in a secondary school who um, – I was just struggling with a teacher. Um, he just said, listen, we've got, we're butting heads all the time. He doesn't like me. I don't like him. And I, and you know, sometimes it's like, listen, not everyone's going to like you in life. That is a fact. You know, you can't be everyone's friend. Even though I know a few people that think they're, you know, we're friends of everyone. It's like, it, you can't do that. As you get older, yeah. life is a lot easier. Trust yeah. me. And, um, you know, this this lad was saying, every time I walk in, this teacher saying to me, get out and, um, and all sorts. And, so I was like, okay. Um, so obviously I go back and I say to the school, let's have a bit of mediation there. And the school went to the teacher and said, you know, I think we need a bit of mediation because obviously you're the adult, let's repair it. And the teacher goes, well, he's a bit of an idiot though, isn't he? And it's just like, hang on a minute. You know, let's remind this teacher that this boy has had 19 moves in his life and he's 15. So he's going in, you know, with his barrier up already, reading these signals and probably on his toes, ready to kick off every single session. And it's just about reminding that teacher, listen, you're the adult. You know, sometimes all it takes is you to go before he walks in, just kind of intercept him as he walks in and go, hey, good to see you today. And at the end of the session, just go, well done. Well done. You know, well done for coming yep. in. All it takes sometimes is that quiet little word. But some teachers really struggle with taking that mask off um you know i'm the teacher you're the child mask and just Mm. be human and you know for us we had to highlight that we weren't there to shame the teacher by all accounts because we do understand i know what i was like in school i was a pain Mm. in the backside you know it's hard when you've got 30 people but for us it's about putting their views forward and just reminding people that you know at 15 with 19 moves just imagine where his mindset's at Mm. yeah and and even at like you know obviously my my lad's five you know and, and even at that age, although he not might not necessarily be able to make 
decisions, you know, sort of consciously or like the right decisions and things like that. He still has a brain, you know, and he's still able to make those decisions. Now, because he's so willful, this is what I'm learning, you know, as I sort of go, because he's so willful and so sort of strong-minded and strong-headed, because he is, like, if he's just like, he's like, no, this is what I want, you know, and there's no change in his mind at all, like, just not having it. Um and it's kind of it's it's just kind of working with that and kind of molding that. You can still get them to do what you want them to do, but you have to sort of it's more like a game of chess, I suppose, rather than like you know, um, what do you call it, whack a mole? Like it's not whack a mole; it's like a game of chess. <laughs> and, and and that's how I sort of see it. Is I have to with him, I have to just kind of be a bit more tactful about how I sort of go about these things. And I'm learning that, and I'm finding it really bloody hard. You know, I'm finding it really hard because it's completely not like me at all. And, and I'm learning it as I go. And yeah, I get it wrong, you know, and, you know, it, it's just an ongoing thing. I'll probably still be an amateur at it by the time he's 18, you know? But... The whole thing, Shane, is it's sometimes not beating yourself up about it. And sometimes it's rem- when we speak to foster carers, we're like, listen, you're doing the best you can. And sometimes mm. it's about myself and Matt going in and going, you know what? It, when we were in care, if we'd have lived with you, we'd have absolutely loved it. And it's about reminding them that this child has been through stuff now i've got two children an 11 year old and a three-year-old and my 11 year old um needs a lot of uh, positive reinforcement you know needs an arm around her a lot now i've got a three-year-old who's using my face as a trampoline at five <laughs> <laughs> you know? yeah. and she's so strong-minded um mm-hmm. and it's about learning to adapt and myself and matt that's what we have to do with every child we support we both know that gosh, we've got to have that approach with this child. There's some children that we can say, that is out of order, and you know it's out of order, and you know they'll sit up yeah. and listen. There's some children that you know, that is going to break them if I have that approach. So you mm-hmm. have to kind of maybe reflect a week after. And I think what you're doing there is you're just showing being a great parent and adapting. It takes mm-hmm. time. There's no there's no manual for us to follow, is no, there? It no, takes- they don't come with instruction manual at all. No, you're right. <laughs> it's And it's hard, man. It's hard. You know, and not only, you know, people that have people from care, you know, care care kids, you know, it's um, it's even harder in my in my opinion, because like you haven't got that emotional kind of certainly from the off anyway, from like, you know, the get go, you haven't got that emotional connection. You haven't got that drive as, as a parent to do these things. You're you're there um, partly because you chose to. Obviously, you, you have there is that side of it as well. But I can imagine that, like, you know, obviously, I haven't been brought up in care, so I'm kind of completely guessing it a little bit here. But, um, you know, I can imagine that for somebody who has took on care kids, um, that takes a little bit of a graft, certainly from the off, to, you know, a bit of commitment, a bit of sort of um, sticking power to kind of stick it out and go through those hard times and stuff. But, you know, obviously not the bad ones, of course. But, like, <laughs> but you know, the, good, the people that are good care um, foster parents and stuff like that, um, I've got massive respect for because you know that's tough. That's tough. Well, uh, let, let me tell you. Let me tell you this: the the two people that we stayed with for two and a half years that was Andy, myself, and my older brother Richard. Because we have got an older brother called, uh, called Richard, um, and Richard's uh, got learning difficulty. So um, he he was placed after that foster placement we had for two and a half years um, in a different part of the country. So you know to meet his uh, needs, but. We were all together during that placement, and those people had 173 young people over the space of 30 years. Now, you can wow. think about parenting skills and how 
what they learned. They, they just became natural at it, great at it. And we were settled and happy there. The people we were placed with to be our forever mum and dad by social services, they had, they couldn't have their own children. They didn't have any experience really of having children. And that was really obviously highlighted when um, their parenting skills were called into play yeah. uh, over those eight years. They didn't, they did obviously, I don't know what training they had. I, I haven't sat down and spoke to them in 22 years, but um, you could, you could pretty, you could tell straight away they were trying to rule with an iron fist and yeah. rather than the, the negotiation. And we, I try and say this to foster carers and, you know, as young people get older, it's less about control and it should be more about negotiation and, uh, you know, talking, you know, um, but the people we live with and suffered the abuse from, it was all the physical aggression, the emotional abuse, um, and it, that, and I think they got their parenting model from their parents. So they were just recycling the trauma that probably they went through as children. Mm. So, and we see that quite a lot. So we're trying to also break generational cycles of parenting. So you've got all the stuff going on in life, society. At the moment, we can say lockdown and COVID and all the mental health stuff. And then you say social media, but then you've also got, you know, parents having children that might not have resolved trauma themselves. So Andy went on a course when he was in his 20s. Do you want to tell him about the safeguarding course, Andy, and the message that made you sit up? Yeah, so this is once again, um, you, know, we, you have some courses delivered, which is very professional. And um, this is why I love with my, it, it, we call it CPD, continual professional development. I love um, watching podcasts. I love watching people show their vulnerability. I learn a lot from from lived experience so I was on a, I think it was child protection training and uh, I think I was 24 and uh, this lady leading it just said statistics show if you've been abused you're going to go on to abuse yourself and um, it, it was very matter of fact like that so I sat in this training I'd never really disclosed my abuse then I felt powerless but I felt very angry but then I had this mm little kind of voice inside me going will I will I hit my kids will am I going to abuse yeah. my own kids um you know it, that planted that seed of doubt and um you know I knew deep down because I, I couldn't wait to be a dad I knew from a very young age I was going to be a dad when I was 26 when I was a dad and um I knew that I would never ever abuse my own children but it just made me angry reflecting back thinking you have to be so careful about the language that you use in training you know, anyone could be sat in there and it could be um, a trigger for them. So we yeah. just have to be so mindful. Mm. And also don't, it's not, uh, for me, when I heard that, it was that judgment based on what, you know, yeah. if anything, what, what my upbringing and has taught Andy and I is to have more empathy for our human fellow human beings because you realise how you don't want to be treated as a child or as any human being and you think, God, I don't want to put anybody else through this. Do you know what I mean? So, that was every child that I work with. That, it's funny how we've both gone into professions that want to help children, you know, because we know what it feels like to be lonely, to be oppressed as a child, to to be hit, to be thrown around, to, you know, all that stuff that we went through. So I, I think it is it, very much about sticking up for the small guy, you know, or girl yeah. and saying, no, I don't care what the head teacher says, you know, we're here on their behalf and we're going to stand in their corner and all right, we'll tell them off if they need to be told off and we'll have a little bit of a word, but you know, yeah, we, we want to give that power back to some of the most powerless people in our society. With what you've just said is 100% 
spot on. When I was at college, I had a friend, she was going through a terrible, terrible, tough time, but she kept on smiling all the way through. And she had some horrible people in her life. And she, I remember the day she turned around to me and said, she's grateful and thankful for those horrible people that she has in her life because she now knows what kind of person she doesn't want to be and how she sh- she's going to grow up and never be like them. And she's thankful that she met them. So I don't know if you guys, in one of our, in our presentation, I use a slide and uh, Andy won't mind me saying, I, I, I can't use the images of, of the people that abused us. I can't say their yeah, name sure. because defamation yeah. of character and I, we haven't never done that. We never will. It's not about them. It's about the messages that came from our story. But I use the, um, the guy from the Simpsons, you know, the head teacher that they sometimes rope in uh, mm. when uh, the, the, yeah. the teacher in the Simpsons, the pathetic teacher, the head teacher, <laughs> the guy that's like, why are you little? Because that's what he was like. You know, he was very aggressive. And the lady was, uh, she reminded me when I saw the film Matilda of Mrs. Trunchbull. And that's <laughs> yeah. what, honestly, like people like laugh, but I'm like, no, yeah. this is the this is the representation that I can give to these people to explain to young people and adults yeah. what it felt like living there. Wow. Wow. Right, I'm, I'm going to mention the elephant in the room right now. This is terrible Go. situation we're in, our lovely pandemic. We're all enjoying so much. Um, how has Smash Life had to adapt? Um, how's it working at the moment? Because obviously children in care, people working in care, you don't you don't get furloughed. There's no days off. So how have you adapted? What are you doing that's changing? So um, great question. And, uh, you know, and this is what separates um the great services from the services that are just flipping putting pictures out there and you know pretending to do stuff and i'm going to say that because it's honest it, it's honest and the people that shut their closed their, their doors when actually they're needed um because it does happen um we had a very quick conversation we're only a year in at this time and it was a i think it was a monday night you know we'd heard about lockdown people didn't really know if it was that serious and then we start to think gosh it is you know schools are closing um social services are contacting us and and i we just had a very quick conversation we said what would we have needed you know we need to keep going here yeah we were worried financially what what happened to smash like are we going to still have a wage yeah that played a factor but we said right we're going to find a way. So we had to learn about Zoom, Skype, Teams. Um, we've got a, a, a big Instagram <laughs> presence. So a lot of young people follow us. So we, we did a lot of mentoring via Instagram video calls. We had a lot of children that were messaging us at night after 5 p.m. when some people's phones are off at 5 p.m. Ours aren't. We're still there. We um, came together as a team and said, right, what do you think? What else do you think we need? And we created our Instagram lives every Thursday night and had a a load of inspiring guests that come from loads of different backgrounds. And we're still doing that now. Um, And yeah, we just had a very quick conversation, said, right, we can't sit still in this situation. Mm. But we also continued the mentoring. Um, So the mentoring just went onto a virtual platform. Um, via Skype so you can imagine when you've got an hour's appointment maybe with a young person who's eight years of age you can imagine some of the comedy routines that we were seeing um, but we, so we, we continued the virtual mentoring uh, when lockdowns were lifted we obviously put in a COVID-19 risk assessment and we were able to continue um, supporting some of the most vulnerable and valued young people in Shropshire 
uh, and beyond. So that was lovely for us, really. And it was great. And do you know what? Those young people got me through this lockdown as well because it gave me a purpose. I wasn't sitting on my backside watching Netflix. I did that in the evenings, but, you know, <laughs> I was literally supporting young people and it raised my spirits because their resilience and their humour and their innocence, they, they don't read the news. They're not interested in what's been going on in Parliament or the, the wider conspiracy theories. They were just like, hey, whatever you know so i think for me um it's it was it's been great and we have been rewarded uh, for doing that we got an award this year for unsung hero by telford and reeking cancer for supporting uh, young people throughout the lockdown and uh yeah so it's it's you know it, it, it we say this to young people hard work beats talent Hi guys, by the way, for, uh, thanks for letting me join in on that. I was just dealing with something else, that's why I couldn't be a part of this. But I, just, I have been listening uh, backstage while you guys have been talking. Can I just say, you guys are doing phenomenal work. I am so proud to have you guys so local to us and doing the work that you do. Um, after finding out about you, I was absolutely, my mind was just blown. Um, I work in support as well, work with young people. And the, and the, the, the conversations you were just having about... Uh, making sure people feel individual and not like a number and making sure that they have this the life that everyone um, deserves all that kind of things you're just talking about is exactly my sort of my drive in life you know that people aren't a cog in the machine i just want to congratulate you guys on on the work you're doing um, and thank you on behalf of everybody in, on the on the county yeah thank you that's really nice Second really nice. And, and you know what? We've got a team now. We're recruiting more staff, but we have got a mentor called Richard Shaw, who's been instrumental in the last year supporting young people as well. And he's on our Instagram live. So it's, the team is growing. But we, what we've decided, Andy and I, is rather than go, right, we've got 20 mentors. Let's do this. Is we are going to be selective about who we take on because it's not about uh, quantity. It's about the quality of staff that you have. Are they young person centered? Can they use their own initiative when chucked into the deep end? Because sometimes you have to think on your feet and uh, it's, there doesn't, there isn't a manual, you know, some days I'm working with young people and I think, oh, flip that, but because <laughs> I then draw on that experience that I've got, you know, and we, we do different things. We don't just turn up and some schools have, got, have said this. Can you just go and see that young person in that horrible, smelly little room we've got at the end of the corridor? And I'm thinking, no, let's go out. Let's have a kick about. Let's break the ice. Let's get them relaxed. Then they're going to start opening up. Not, right, let me sit above you like I'm a clinical physician. Right, my name's Matt Smith. I'm a doctor in psychology and I need you to tell me all about your life and what the problem is. But this is it. We need to move from a more medical model I think to more of a relaxed kind of therapeutic model. Yeah, I, th I think that, that that's across the board as well. I think that's also with regards to even down to education. I think the standardised testing and putting people in boxes and doing you know, uh, you know what I mean, uh, putting people in yeah. boxes um, in an education sense isn't, isn't viable anymore because people have an in it of do you know what, Shane? Every time you speak, it prompts me to go off on a different wave. I'm going to tell you guys something. So all throughout my secondary school, when this abuse took place, I grew up in the 90s, right? So Oasis were massive. And I remember, Alex, I did see you at Andy O'Brien's gig uh, last yeah. year. So hi. Oh. And um, I was sitting at the table in front of you. So it was a great uh, night. Okay. Just, it was just before the lockdown. And I our band was going to do, I think, the next Friday or something. So we were gutted. But anyway, 
Um, all throughout school, music, I wasn't really... I At home, it was my escape. I loved it. I was listening to tapes. Do you remember tapes? That's how old I am. Um, I had my CD player. I was listening to Graham Torrington on Beacon FM, you know, Late Night Love. I was that young person doing that. But my music teacher just didn't pick up on it. I got chucked out of learning the violin when I was about um, seven, uh, eight at primary school because I didn't want to sing Bar Bar Black Sheep in front of my friends. So we, Andy and I got hurled out like the Liam and Noel Gallagher wannabes that we wanted to be. And when I was 16, I left school, right? I yeah. couldn't play the guitar. And I watched a DVD called There and Then by Oasis. And it's where they played at Manchester City Stadium. And I was so inspired. And I picked up that guitar and I say to young people, if there's a will, there's a way. I didn't have any money. No one gave me a thousand pounds to go out and buy an amp and a guitar. I had to then, you know, get those lessons, learn off friends. And since then, I've, I've been playing music for 16 years, since 2006. As a live performer, I've played in Dubai. I've played all over the UK. I've played with Tim Vine and, and Scott Mills. You know, so it's, it, I say to young people, you, it sounds cheesy, but you can do anything that you put your mind to. And no dream is too small. You just need to visualize it. And if you want to be a rock star, if you want to be a rapper, put the effort in. Because if you do start it now, you're going to make it look easy when you're in your 20s and your 30s. Mm. And, um, um, I've got to ask, I, got to ask a, a question about creativity and sort of how you write uh, and how you make music. When you're, when you're from a background, you guys are, but you're also moving in the direction you guys are also moving in. Can it affect the creativity when it comes to writing music? Because... Uh, when it when it comes to music, sometimes it's good to show that anger and the passion and and the, the desire to sort of change things or talk about the the past. Um, are you conscious about that? Is it something that you just want to stay away from, or do you feel like no, no, so, so no? I mean, I've got two separate musical projects. So my first one that I gig with for weddings, corporate stuff, is Sonic Boom. So that's the band that's around Shropshire, West Midlands that's up and running that takes care of itself on the other hand i go out under an artist name called sonnet smith i write my own songs based on my experiences so if you go to our facebook page smash life facebook page at the top of that page andy and i recorded a video of a song that i wrote last year called where are we running to and it literally is about our journey so it's about four minutes long and you can listen to it. it's an acoustic ballad i thought make it you know a bit the heartstrings pull on it but i've just written a punk song called kickback and that is about, and we're going to release it with a video. And these are all to inspire young people. And this one's about, basically, people will abuse you in life, whether you're bullied at school, whether you're put down by a relate in a relationship, whether it be your foster carers, whatever. Um, but it's making sure that that abuse doesn't rule the rest of your life and that you don't go round. I've wanted to go round to their house many a time when I've had a few drinks and Bruce Lee them in the face. And I'm sure my brother would be right behind me. But I knew that if I did that, they would win because I would be locked up. They would be able to turn around to everyone and go, see, I told you he's a little hooligan. And I didn't want that. I thought, no. So we say to young people, get your own back in a better way. Make yourself better, not bitter. Nice. You're full of these little sayings, aren't you, mate? I know. I love, I love it. it. I've been, I, last night I was watching um, little Buddha quotes on uh, YouTube, and I think it's it really feeds the soul if you have a lot of these things because yeah. sometimes with all the negativity um, in the press and stuff, it's nice to balance it out with a, some wise words. And mm. a lot of these Buddhist sayings and stuff are really food for thought, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really, I love them. I absolutely love them. I love a good um, metaphor as well. 
I love a good metaphor. <laughs> I think Did you want to say anything, Andy? Sorry, I keep feeling like I'm talking. <laughs> this is what it's like yeah. in, in all the time. Um, my face is like this all the time. <laughs> so what I wanted to say, guys, was um, when we talk, talk about education and things like that, the way it affects me education wise was, you know, you try to people try and put you in a box of education, you know, your English, your algebra. But I can't remember ever walking into a shop to buy a Mars bar using Pythagoras theory to get that. <laughs> yeah. And, um, yeah. When I, when I, it's funny because when I left university, um, I didn't have any advice and guidance around money, around overdrafts, around credit cards, loads of stuff for my social worker. And because myself and Matt presented as okay, even though we had all this trauma inside of us, you know, we, we were kind of like loose cannons, really. And uh, even though we were doing okay academically, and I left university £15,000 in debt, credit card debt. And um, I live with a fantastic foster care as post-16, Mandy and Tim Malloy. Mandy's the CEO of YMCA. Um, she's she's amazing. And um, I remember taking their car um, and just by the theatre in Shrewsbury, there's a ramp and I was just going to drive in. And I think that was 2006 or seven because all the trauma kind of hit it. It, it just hit me. And uh, I was going out, accelerating that trauma, drinking three times a week, because that's what everyone else did, wasn't it? And, um, you know, it really annoys me, because I think, why, why, you know, even like in, years, in primary school, there's not stuff really around well-being, around kind of friendships, around bullying. You know, we, we have people that are wheeled in to do talks, but why not proper you know, subjects around this and, you know, around um, overdrafts, around independent living, all these things that are going to help us as we progress, because we were effectively on our own at 16, independent, and we didn't have any of them skills. Yeah, you're right. I was exactly the same when I left school. Um, I got myself into debt. I'm still, still carrying it now because I'm still trying to, you know, sort it out. You just, it's one of them. Um, and yeah, you're right. There was absolutely nothing. You, you, 16 you're out on your ear and that's it you're expected they should, to survive as an adult you know they should uh, at least um, teach uh, at, least, at least teach kids how to pay bills pay bills and keep your head above water um i mean they do cooking it but more school, importantly uh, what to do when it goes so. wrong i think that's more important it's not necessarily how to do how to 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 start doing it it's what to do when it goes wrong what yeah, to do when skills. you get in those debt and you get into that overdraft how do you get out of it how do you get out of overdrafts you know, you ask it. You ask any sixteen, seventeen-year-old; they'll just look at you with a blank face. You know, I have no idea. What's an You know what I find a lot, um, especially with uh, people that will say, "Can you come and work with this young person?" They're kicking off in school. They're not really. They're being the class clown because I was the class clown at school. I was the Jim Carrey sort of trying to make the girls laugh, like, "How you doing?" And then I was the Liam Gallagher <laughs> as well, of like, "You're looking at me, mate." You know, mad for it, but. Underneath, it was just a massive mask because I was wet in the bed up until I was 14 because of the abuse that was going on at home, you know. And I tell people now that are in my form and they're just like, what? This was all going on at home. I thought you were absolutely fine because I just learned how to mask it all. And when we talk about young people, it's just about Andy and I and Rich and whoever works for us reinstalling that purpose, getting them to find a deep purpose within them so that they know why they're at school. Okay, I might not enjoy every subject, but I know in a year's time, I'm going to go to college and I need three GCSEs to get in there. So I always say to them, no one's going to remember you in 10, 15 years time because they're going to be so concerned with their own lives. It's just about find your own purpose. Do whatever turns you on. You know, if you want to go to college and you want to do music or you want to do a creative subject, 
do it. You don't have to do what everybody else does. You're not a sheep, you're a lion and you can be your own lion. And I think it's just about having those nice, simple messages and reminding them that they are unique and an individual and they can go on and achieve. Because for some of them, they've never had an adult in their life, an adult specifically, put their arm around them and go, I believe in you. Mm. That's what it takes sometimes, isn't it? They should also teach good music as well in school. Because uh, I remember I, we were excited because we had Jarrett Reddick on one of our shows. right? And I told one of the kids that I work with, we've got Jarrett Reddick from Bowling for Soup coming on our show. And they were like, who? And I was like, who? who? <laughs> like, it's just crazy. Like, uh, it's definitely how it should have a school of rock sort of presence in school. Like, these are the bands you should be listening to. But you know what, Alex, that's a really good point. What you're talking about there is making the curriculum relevant. So if we're using music as a tool to educate, yes, go back, learn about Beethoven, Mozart, the fundamentals of music. But then let's have a conversation about the Beatles. Let's listen. Let's talk about Stormzy. Let's look at where that all originate. Let's try and, and that will engage some of the most hard to reach young people in your school. And you know, I work with some lads and they're 14, 15 and they're going through puberty. So you can imagine their voices are dropping. They're sounding like Charlotte Church one minute and the next minute Barry White, you know. But I think it's like for me, it's it's just about making what is it that will get, get that young person's attention. And with one of the schools that I go in, because Andy and I have a contract with Priory School in Shrewsbury, which is a great Yay. school. Yeah. So I, I, go in, I go in there every Thursday and I try and be a bit of a light for those young people who might be going through a bit of difficulty either at school or at home. And um, it's the it's the school we, funnily enough, went to when we were growing up. So it's really nice that we're able to give something back. And it's just great that, you know, trying to get those young people inspired. And some of them are now taking singing lessons. They're doing, you know, it's just sometimes reminding them that, you know, oh, I, you might be too cool for school, but why don't you just try it for yourself and step out of your comfort zone? But um, just to jump in, don't, you know, as a society, we look at role models and heroes and people that we really push to the top and go, yeah, they're, they're really inspiring. So it's genuinely footballers and, you know, celebrities. There's a, there's a few people that we grew up with from Shrewsbury that one of them is going to be ambassador for us, Nama Khan, who basically does stuff with um, David Attenborough. He's like Shrewsbury's version of uh, Steve Irwin. Um, and he grew up on the same estate. Honestly, he's got his own programme called Biggest and Baddest with Nama Khan. He's got a PhD, lectures, a real role model from Shrewsbury. His brother, his brother um, uh, Rory McCann, murals, um, and, you know, he's had his own hurdles in life. And forever, we're trying trying to fit people in boxes and going, you need to aspire to them. Yeah, as ambassadors, we have got, um, a footballer who's my brother-in-law, Billy Jones, who grew up in Shrewsbury, is an absolute legend. Um, and we've also made the decision this week to have two children in care as ambassadors, just to show the world that you don't need to be a certain age or certain status to be an ambassador. So these two young people are going to come on board and be role models and ambassadors and carry our messages. And it's just once again, just kicking back and saying, actually, we're rewriting the way it should be, society. Mm. And sometimes when you want change in life, it does ostracise you. People will say, whoo, but sometimes it's a good thing. Not everybody will agree with you. And sometimes you have to stand alone. And, you know, I, I said to Andy, you know, he was frustrated at the beginning of the journey, like, why don't these people support us and this people? And I said, they will. Sometimes it takes time. You know, it's like being in a band. And I've learned that. I was in quite a successful cover band around Shrewsbury and we did really well. 
And uh, we had a great name locally and everybody loved us. And uh, I started a new band. <laughs> Nobody liked us because <laughs> it takes time. It takes time for people to fall in love with you, as Ian Brown once famously said. It really does. And, you know, but then these messages, it's just all about watching it. And it's been nice to see uh, professionals evolve and social work and youth work. And Andy and I have been really keen to to say, I think people should have been clapping for social workers as well during this time because they've kept certain families together. Yes, nurses are fantastic, but look at the people that are doing that work behind the scenes that we don't hear about. Do you know what really shocked me, actually? Um, My brother-in-law is just trained to be a counsellor. And what blew my mind, and I didn't even know this until he shared a poll on Facebook, was that counsellors weren't essential for lockdown. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? Like, it, like that blew my mind. I was like, I, this is this is mental. This is actually mental. I got McDonald's open down the road, but counsellors aren't allowed to work. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> I totally what I mean? agree. I totally agree. And when we see, like, when we talk about mental health, and if you talk about holistic mental health, counselling, exercise, which is something Andy turned to, obviously through his trauma, he was doing a lot of football, a lot of running, still does now because it maintains a good mental health. And we've seen gyms close down. And then you've got Burger King. I mean, Subway, <laughs> yeah, McDonald's, <laughs> you know, it's all open. You know, is it really serving the interests of public health? You know, I don't think it is. And, that's, I think, been one of the main frustrations for a lot of people. It's it's having those that exercise, and it's something we promote with young people as well. Use those mediums that you can do. Get that energy out, football, rugby, whatever it is. It's going to do one of two things. It's either going to teach people how to be uh, independently stronger, or it's going to cause a lot of people to sweep it under the rug. This because uh, uh, you know people have they were taking a step back from mental health before lockdown. Regardless, they were reducing funding, reducing funding, reducing funding everywhere through schools, uh, for the NHS, everything. Yeah, and then lockdown happens. People are, can't get to their counsellors, so they're either going to find these holistic ways of dealing with these things, which is great, brilliant, or it's going to create chaos. You know, uh, when the world opens again, you got all these people that are so used to ha- being in their own space and being by themselves have been told to go to work now, go to college, go to school. It's going to be, it's going to be really hard, really hard. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And in our Instagram lives and things like that, we, we, we have had um, mental health specialists on, you know, just giving advice to children and foster carers, you know, things such as if you're going back to school, don't just dump them at the school gates after, you know, three months walk up to school you know during the holidays have a discussion how does it feel to be back here you know ask them questions mm. what's it going to be like in a, in a class full of other children get them to you know feel what it's going to be like mm. and they're the little bits that we can do ourselves um mm. you know to to help each other and i suppose that's what we're trying to do with smash life just trying to prepare children and be real and honest with them but i totally agree with you alex i think it's worrying times really worrying times ahead it is, it is. And I think that the support that you guys are giving and, and others that are, you know, sort of in your field um, is really important. I mean, I was just just, do- just double-checking myself on the name because I couldn't quite remember it. But um, when I was going through my counselling and stuff, one of the things which, um, if it, in fact, it's my sister that sent it to me, was uh, Rock Thomas. It was a, a, a video from Rock Thomas. I don't know if you've ever come across any of his sort of stuff. But um, he said, um, the, word, the words that follow I am, follow you. And 
uh, that really rung true to me and that's something that really sort of hit home and it was like you know how do you describe yourself to yourself you know and and it's just like what are you you know and he, he's he's drilling this out saying like if you start thinking to yourself i i am i, I am the greatest um you know employee in in, in my company and or whatever it is and just keep keep saying it to yourself keep saying it keep saying it, keep saying it, and you just you, you become driven and that you start driving towards that that thing because the thing is, is that, you know, your brain is like software. And, you know, and this is what he was saying, is that your brain is like software and you can reprogram it. Just that most people, especially people that have been abused, people that have been through that kind of life, they just don't know it or they haven't been given the tools to know how to do it. But you can. You just got to, you just got to, like you said, it's where, where there's will, there's a way. And, and you know, you just got to keep hammering on that, you know, and, and it's and it's a and grind. I think as we get older as adults, it is harder. They do say it is harder to learn new things. Mm. And if your brain stops developing, and you'll learn this in the Solihull uh, thing, at 26, it actually stops growing, I think it was one of the things. Um, you know, it is going to be a lot harder to put new information in, and, and internalise new uh, self-development messages inside. And I, and I think not. It, Alex touched on it. It's... The last year has been very good for people to stop and reflect on how they are, where they see themselves and where they're going in their life and what's important. You know, it's made me stop because I was gigging two, three times a weekend, smack, flat out with Smash Live. I was burnt out. Yeah. Uh, so it's made me think. And now I'm missing gigging. I'm like, oh, I need to get back out there because, you know, that's another part of my life which I get a cathartic release. So. Um, I, you know, we absolutely love what we do and we hope the passion shines through when we speak to you guys about it. And uh, we're really excited about the future. Really am. Awesome. So what's the awesome. best way for people to get in touch with you, anyone listening to this? So we've got, um, we've got a website, www.smashlifeuk.com. Um, we're, we're present on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, we've got an email address info at smashlifeuk.com um, and you know we're, we're on top of everything so everyone anyone can dm us um, they can message us through our website or through various um, social media platforms and uh, yeah we love hearing from people um, normally it's uh, professionals saying can you work with this child can you do? and uh, you know it's just reminding people sometimes that you know um, we can't be there for everyone, but we do try to um, host our own stuff as well, which will inspire young people, um, such as Eventbrite, um, things that we've got coming up, um, our Instagram lives. And, um, yeah, we try and put a lot of positive content out there. We do our Smash Live stories as well, which are on our Instagram, talking about how we felt in certain situations, which means what we're doing is showing our vulnerability <laughs> Because we can't work with everyone, but we can inspire from a, inspire from afar. How often do you do your Instagram lives? So we've just done three weeks worth. Um, we've got to get uh, two P teachers on next week. Um, so Andy will be leading that with them, and they're giving like some tips and hints about. And that's between seven and eight PM on our Instagram at Smash Live UK. Um, and literally it's Instagram live it's free so you just literally tune in and it's listening in and contributing to a conversation a little bit like this one um, so we yeah we, we're going to try and keep doing it as long as the lockdowns are in place obviously when they're lifted the audience and the reach sometimes goes down but um, for us it's been another 
positive focus as opposed to doing nothing during this time. So I'm assuming then you guys could also cater for a domestic kind of setting as well. So like maybe um, just a couple of parents are struggling with their kids. Somebody like me in my, my situation, for example, um, and they're struggling with with their kid and they're, they're running out of options. Um, is that something you guys could help with? In You know, could they contact you? So we do a lot of foster care training as well. So um, what we we've 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 done that up and down the country. So whatever agency the foster carers um, were with or on, because there's there's, there's a lot out there, private and public owned ones. Um, we would the first port of call would be like, so what training does your organisation that you're with have and support do they offer you? And if that's then well yeah actually they do it might be you know liaising with that company or maybe approaching that company and saying hi we've we've had a message from somebody that works under you and they feel there's a gap in this learning need here would you like us to come in and and do do a piece of work with you and your staff because um for us it's just that continual learning and maybe just also a bit of motivation because workers suffer from compassion fatigue they suffer from burnout you know parents do as well and sometimes just like Andy said just reminding people that you are doing all right you know what levels are we all judging ourselves against you know Um, and reminding people that actually it is difficult at the moment and we're all human like next week I'm looking forward to we've got one on Eventbrite and uh, we, we had a school today by 14 tickets and we were like yes because we want people to be engaged and we're writing it at the moment and it's just saying what's helped for us personally and making it interactive so people can feel like they've got something and can take something away with it. Go on, Andy, sorry. Yeah, I think um, what you were saying, Shane, about, you know, you you kind of classes, let's say your normal parents, you yeah. know, didn't think of the word. Um, your natural parents, that yeah. might be struggling. Yeah, so we, as a service, I would say we've given a lot of sessions away uh, for free in helping parents that have come to us really struggling. And we it has torn on the heartstrings and we said, right, we'll come out and we'll give 10 sessions and we'll help. And we've done a lot of that. Um, obviously, it's not massively sustainable in the long run as much as we'd love to do yeah. it. So we, we have to advise sometimes and say, right, we could probably allocate X amount of year, but please go to your school lead, go to your pastoral lead and ask them, Go, you know, because they're the guys that might have something called pupil premium and they can recognise services that you can use. But it's about you as a parent going in and advocating, saying, I really am needing help and support. And then it might go to the team that Matt used to work for, the early help team, Matt. Yeah, so I was based, uh, before I started this role, I was with Tropshire Council for 12 years. So I trained to be a youth worker. I worked in Leicester for a bit uh, with some really, um, yeah, some young people who had a lot of issues in the YMCA um, who were living independently. And I was doing what's called an E2E programme, entry to employment. Um, and then I, I came to Shropshire Council and then all the youth service cuts happened. And uh, I was put in the early help team. So uh, basically trying to stop families breaking down so young people wouldn't go into the social care system. So you can imagine some of the families that I was going in and trying to support. And sometimes it worked and it was great. And sometimes it didn't, you know, because you're sometimes going in far too late when these young people are 15, 16, 17. 
and parents are really struggling and we're always promoting the proactive early intervention you've got to get there in there early we've got to work with these young people and families when they're at an earlier age because if we set the good habits with parents and young people they stand more of a chance when they hit those teenage years Mm. Um, I'd love to I'm going to speak to you after this because uh, I feel like maybe we can put something together Um, from where I work if you've done stuff at the YMCA, you definitely fit, fit in where I, where I work. But I'll write to you after this. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. I'd love to work with you. Thank you. So did you guys have any more questions? Because, Didi, are you still awake? Are you there? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still here. I, I just realized She's in the bath, isn't she? She's like this. Yeah, I know. That's, that's like my camera. Can't see her. Actually, I've got a glass of champagne on the go. Now I'm joking. Um, <laughs> just because I'm so self-conscious about my audio, because I'm to use my iPhone because I've got a very vintage laptop that doesn't like to do anything or co- cooperate with me. Um, so I'm, I'm so worried that my audience I'm messing up. I'm a horrible um, text off Al because saying that D, you need to sort out your audio. So <laughs> no, I don't want to go and ruin that too much. But I have just noticed we have been going for just over an hour now. Shane, do you want to add anything else? No, no. I've, I'm, I've just, I love what you do. I love what you do, and and genuinely, I'd love to work with you in the future as well. Um, you know, so whatever the biscuit can do um, as a podcast, if, you, if you've got anything coming up and you want to push it, you want to promote it, then please give us a shout, and we'll do whatever we can to to help. Um, because uh, I think I think what you're doing is amazing, um, and and you're you're changing people's lives, literally. You know, and probably not just change it; you're probably saving lives. If you're brutally honest you know um but guys we are running out of time um and al's been sending me messages going like dude i've got i've got to edit all this <laughs> yeah. I, see the thing is I, I usually do all this and i'm like oh yeah like 40 minutes start rounding it up this is kind of like i'm doing it every week i've got another show after this but i wanted to let shane do his thing like do your thing shane i'm not doing anything I'm, it's your, your yeah, baby, yeah, so. yeah 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 Whatever. and you've done a brilliant job <laughs> oh thank you Thank you very much. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I love what you guys do, definitely. Um, but I have to do some shout-outs now, which I always get wrong. So I want you some help, Al. Um, I'll do it. I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do Okay, this quickly bit. before we get out. <laughs> Thank you guys for being patient. Um, I would like to you guys to check out our website, which is uh, uk, And that's made for us by our friends at Web Orchard. If you need a website, make sure you go and check them out. Uh, Pete's amazing. He's coming on my Usuk show on um, at the weekend. You should definitely listen to that. Uh, we also have something coming up on the 20th. Um, of, of February um, we're going to be running every two weeks from that date it's called the Shoes Biscuits uh, Virtual Market Showcase we're going to get two traders in that are local to speak to two biscuiteers about what they do show us what they do and we're going to try and help independent businesses survive this difficult difficult time um, so you make sure you, you join us for that it'll be live on our Facebook if you want to get involved please get in touch um, but yeah, uh, Shane, you've done an amazing job. Well done. Uh, Matt, Thank Andy, you. it was amazing listening to you. When Even before I came in, I was listening to you guys and you've got an amazing story. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Go home. <laughs> <laughs> anytime. It's absolutely our pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Thank you very much, guys. Right. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. See you later. Thank you.